This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. We are here to talk hoops. That's right. You heard it correct. I am your host, Josh Newberg. We have our hoops insider here with us, Chris Nee. We are going to be talking some Florida State basketball as the Knowles defeated number five Duke last night, 79-78 in overtime on Tuesday inside the Donald L. Tucker Center. Chris, you were there. Was it was it everything that it seemed to be on ESPN? Yeah, it was an excellent environment. The student section should be applauded for how much they showed up, how early they were, how into it they were, how they got after it. In general, the place filled in really well. It always it seems to always take like a media timeout or two for the sides to really fill in. I thought last night it was pretty solidly filled in by tip off, which is it was a late start. So that kind of that helps. Yeah. Um, but no, it was fun. It was a great environment. It was a fun game. Truthfully, I thought FSU outplayed them a vast majority of the game. Uh, it was aggravating that it went to overtime, but hey, Duke is Duke and the Bencaro kid is legitimate. I mean, he's unbelievably impressive. He scored 20, had 20, 12, and 7 last night, and I felt mm-hmm. like FSU made him work for every single thing he did. But, no, nah, it, it was fun. It was a really, really good game. I think we're seeing this team evolve. I don't want to say they turned the corner and that they're different. I still think they'll have some ups and downs. But they're definitely a better ball club than they were a month ago, and I think they're going to be a better ball club than they are today in another month. So FSU trailed at the half. They kind of sputtered in at the end of the first half a little bit. I think they're down. It was 38-33 going into the half. And then they surged out and and took the lead in the second half. But I think with about four, six minutes to go, it was really hard for them to find offense. And maybe that was due to Duke switching to his own defense. But it was quite – they had to make a little comeback there at the end. Yeah, it was uh, FSU was up. I think it was 59-50. I believe Caleb hit the shot to put him up nine. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, FSU only scored eight more points in regulation. Well, Duke obviously scored 17 to even it yeah. up. FSU had to have the high glass blank bank shot lay in oh, by man. Raekwon the Evans kiss. With second left. The kiss uh, off the glass. It's quite amazing how Raekwon has gone from a guy that made us all wring our hands to the dude who's clutch and makes a basket when they have to have it and beats, you know, really good teams. Um but it's been fun to watch him do that. Yeah, the zone the zone's an issue for FSU. I think Syracuse game one against them in Tallahassee kind of showed that. That's true kind of historically with Leonard Hamilton program. The truth is with a zone, if you can't shoot yourself out of it, mm-hmm. you sometimes get stagnant. FSU certainly did last night. Anthony Polite's struggles is probably one thing you can point to in that because at times it kind of feels like FSU's only got four offensive players out there when Anthony's out there. But Anthony does so much other stuff, good rebounding, high-level defense, things of that sort, that I understand why he's out there. Plus, he's a veteran who understands the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely an issue when teams throw a zone at FSU. It's not something Duke does a lot of, but when you got the kind of talent and length that Blue Devils do have, you can do it here and there. Now, I admittedly haven't watched a ton of FSU hoops yet, but I was impressed by some of these freshmen. Have they? Do you see them getting a more expanded role as the season goes on? Now they're making some plays out there. 
Yeah, I mean, John Butler is a fun dude. How many seven-foot-one guys, you know, who can handle it that well, have that kind of range, and can block shots around the rim and do a little bit of everything? He's really exciting. Yeah, he's fun, and he's always going to be fun, and he's only going to get better, and he's going to fill out on that frame a little bit more, which is something that he probably needs to do. Uh, Jalen Worley is another guy who's young and who he's got to turn a bit of a corner, but literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. I think we need to see Jalen get a little more aggressive at trying to call his own number and score here and there. Do what Raekwon does effectively at times, which is kind of dribble down, attack. Uh, You know, Caleb Mills does a really good job of that, but Caleb Mills is also a very uniquely special athlete. Um, But Worley's a guy who I believe will get better, will improve. I think he is one of the – you know, if I'm picking a guy or two on this team who I think can kind of be what takes this team from the level it's at and accelerates it even further, mm-hmm. I think Naheem McLeod, who's not a freshman but is a newcomer from the Juco ranks, I think he is certainly one. Last night we kind of saw that with him scoring a career-high nine, grabbing a career-high seven boards. Naheem's starting to show some of those signs, and that gives you a big-man presence. And I think Jalen's the other one because Raekwon can't play 40 minutes, and they don't really have another great ball handler you know, they can put in Mills' hands, and Mills does need to touch it a lot, but I don't know if Mills is one you want running the offense. So mm-hmm. when it's not Evans, you need to be Worley, and you need Worley to be a little bit more effective. If those two guys continue to come along, I think it can spell a pretty positive future for him. Matt Cleveland's made his presence known here. He's a killer slasher, okay jump shooter. He's got to start hitting free throws. He, he's had a real bad spell here recently with free throws. I think he's one of his last seven. He went 0 for last night at the line. You know, yeah. So those guys are very important. And then, you know, freshman newcomers, it all kind of gets jumbled together. Cameron Fletcher is another newcomer for FSU. Awesome to watch play defense. Some of what he did last night to kind of, you know, give FSU a shot in the arm when he did come in there. He played about 16 minutes last night, which was the most minutes he's played since the NC State game. That stuff's awesome. The big thing with Fletcher is it just has to be more consistent. Can't get himself in foul trouble. Can't make, uh, you know, quick trigger decisions at times when he's a little too jacked up. I, if I recall last night, he had a three from the corner that he he sent about four feet over the rim. It looked like one of those where the adrenaline was just shooting through veins. Mm-hmm. But the good of Fletcher is really, really fun to watch. So I, I've said it before when we've talked briefly about hoops in the general podcast. I think FSU more than any team in the ACC has so much more room to grow. Like Miami is who and what they are. They've got five really good dudes. Duke is who and what they are. They've got that group, you know, Becara Williams, uh, Moore, uh, the Kills kid, if he's healthy, who got banged up last night. You know that's like their nucleus. That's who and what they are. They're going to go as those guys go. With FSU, I feel like there's so many pieces that if they do come along, FSU can be a heck of a lot better. You know, Butler's one of those that has come along, but McLeod, Worley, Cleveland doing some little stuff that makes him an even more dangerous high-level player because Cleveland's pretty damn special. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that. that that's what I want to see as we continue to watch FSU go through this ACC schedule. Yeah, and I could kind of see it just watching the game. I could tell that some of these guys coming off the bench, some of these fr- – I was like, oh, he's a freshman? Okay. Uh, you know, I could just tell that there's more to come that this team is a work in progress. So that being said, um, we talked about the run that they've been on, defeating Louisville, beating Miami, now beating Duke. Where do they go from here? Is this sustainable? Is this just a flash? Or do we really think that this team is going to take off from here? Well, they're 11-5, and 5-2 in the league. They're in second in the league right now behind Miami. I In watching the league to this point in time, I would say that the top tier, the top four, is Miami, who's going to live and die by their starting lineup. They have no depth. 
mm-hmm. but their starting lineup is really damn good. Great at creating off the dribble, can kill you, can knock down shots. Pretty veteran group. Added a couple transfers that make them even more veteran. So, like, if they stay healthy, they got a great shot. But at some point, you start worrying about gas in the tank when you have to play guys as many minutes as they're having right. to play. But, like, they took it to North Carolina last night. I didn't get to watch that. I'm hoping to maybe watch it before FSU goes down there to Miami on Saturday and plays them. They took it to North Carolina, from what I could tell from keeping up with the score, looking at the box score. They just annihilate them. I think Duke is certainly up there. They got arguably the best player in college basketball. They've got enough talent there to win. They can do things at all three levels. They can play defense at a pretty high clip. So the two teams that I think are really, really good in this conference, FSU has beaten both of them. FSU's right there. Once again, we talked about their growth possibilities. I think North Carolina, despite what Miami did to them, is also a pretty good club and probably in that top four. Notre Dame is playing up there. Wake Forest is playing up there. I don't know that either of them are quite ready. I feel like Wake Forest is kind of a year ahead of schedule. I feel like Notre Dame is playing good ball, but not really that good of a team, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So can FSU sustain it? Yeah, I think they can. I don't think the league is a murder, murderer's row by any stretch. Now, the issue for FSU is obviously, you know, they got UNF on short rest on Thursday, but that's one that you would hope they play well enough to kind of handle win and get some rest for the starters. They go down to Miami on Saturday. FSU's obviously had a great streak against Miami, eight in a row. They can go down there and win. That's huge. Taking two from the Canes, they put themselves in first in the eighth. That's definitely right a now. statement game. Yeah. And the problem in the league is that there's not a ton of teams that you can rack up quadrant one high-level wins against as things stand right now. Mm-hmm. Duke was a hugely important victory because of that reason. Miami is one that can maybe play themselves into that realm. I don't know that they currently are in that realm. Um, but, for example, when FSU beat them and they had just come off the Duke victory, they weren't even ranked. They were right outside the top 25 in the polls. Maybe they deserve to be ranked. I think they're a pretty damn good team, as I've said previously, but they were not ranked. So after Miami, when we look at the schedule, FSU goes to Georgia Tech, very winnable game, comes home and hosts Virginia Tech, very winnable game, goes to Clemson, very winnable game, and then they host Wake. That's Saturday, February 5th. Wake is a key game. Wake took it to FSU at Wake. FSU did not play well in that game at all, but they can compete with Wake. They're, I don't mm-hmm. think the talent gap is huge. I think the FSU team we saw against Wake version one, kind of like FSU versus Syracuse version one, will be different than what we see in FSU in the second chance against the same team. Especially if FSU plays like they have been playing the last three games. Yeah. And, and February February is an interesting stretch. For example, three consecutive Saturdays in February, they go to North Carolina, they go to Duke, they go to hmm. Virginia. Virginia is no great team this year. They're not Tony Bennett's classic group. Still tough. But those three Saturdays in a row on the road, Yeah, you, know, you probably hope you go one and two. You would eat. Be pretty ecstatic if you went two and one, three and oh would be, you know, let's start getting ready to cut some nets, maybe. Um, so that that's kind of the thing. I, I feel like February is going to very clearly tell us the ceiling for this team, which I think is pretty high, but they have to get there. That's sort of the thing with them, is that they're nowhere near a finished product. There's so many pieces that are kind of moving, evolving, ever-changing, guys who are figuring out their roles. There were guys that we came into this year who expected to have much more prominent roles and be much bigger players. Anthony Polite comes to mind immediately. It just hasn't happened. He hasn't lived up to that. So who's going to step up in place of that and take that role? I feel like Matt Cleveland has to some degree, but there's still an evolution there for Matt to continue hitting free throws, being being a guy, a guy you can wholeheartedly trust down the stretch because if he gets sent to the line, he's going to make mm-hmm. it, stuff like that. Yeah. So I am interested. But, yeah, I think the ceiling for this team is pretty damn good. I'm not convinced they achieve it, but they got a shot. 
Okay. So we've kind of gone down the docket. We've talked about who needs to step up. We've talked about what's next for FSU. Like you said, it's kind of a murderer's row of, of Saturday games. Those are going to all be big time games for Florida State. Great atmosphere. So hopefully they're ready to play. All that being said, what is your early tournament prediction outlook for Florida State? Well, it's funny. I, Carter, my oldest son, went to the game with me last night, obviously, very late night. I was getting ready to drive him to school this morning. And, uh, you know, how old is Carter now? 11, but he's way in the hoops. Yeah. So he, did, uh, I got to hold on. Did he try to rush? The, did he try to get on? The, no, I, I was disappointed in him. I told him to go ahead and go out there and hang around the edge. Yeah. Yourself. Take it in. You know, don't get in the mosh pit. Like, I don't need to be getting a phone call. But stand on the edge. Feel pit. that energy. But enjoy it, buddy. Like, yeah. you know, it, I, I get it. People are like, they shouldn't rush a court. FSU's established. I get all that. But hey, man. Have some fun. The okay, last two how, years have sucked in a lot of ways. Let's go out there and party. Do you think, we were talking about this on Spaces, do you think that if Florida State would have won by nine points, they rushed the court last no, night? No, I, I think so. The then you think that it was the emotion excitement. of the game. Yes. So when people yes. are complaining, I think you have to take into account, hell, a lot of people probably didn't stay up and know that the game went into overtime. They just saw Florida State rush the court. The game ending the way that it did, I think that's the reason they rushed the court. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're up nine. It closes. You're down. Oh, my God. A few seconds. Evan's got to crash the rim. High off the glass over two bigs against Duke. We're going OT. OT is a back and forth affair. Caleb Millis comes alive, scores eight of FSU's 12 right. points. I think the lead was traded, held damn near every possession in overtime. The emotion of that game was absurd. I mean, And it wasn't a slow right. ending. It wasn't yeah. one of those free throw games. Oh, oh. Like no, it was not at all. two minutes. And then before you know it, you're down to like 17 seconds. Like yeah. it, Caleb Mills comes down and goes icy veins, nail on the three, five seconds into the shot clock. And you're like, Oh, we're here. Like this is happening. <laughs> we're doing this. And then, you know, Evans gets sent to the line. He hits his two. It's a defensive possession. John Butler comes up big ball, loose game over. Everybody go crazy. No, it, it was an emotional fun affair. I don't think a blowout people rush, but I got no bones with that team wanted to celebrate and they celebrated mm-hmm. with the people that were there and those students busted their backsides to be good fans on the evening. I'm Let them have it, it, man. Let's have a little fun. Let them have it. Especially the way Florida state's been playing. I mean, just to think that we're here, that we have a team that's going to compete for a spot in March. It's all exciting. Um, yeah. All right. So in terms of coverage, you said that they got a game when they got a game Thursday or Friday. Yeah, real quick to go back on the tournament question, what I was getting to talking about Carter was I looked at, uh, I think it was real-time, real-time RPI. It's one of the metric sites that I look mm-hmm. at with regards to that. So FSU was like a 45% chance NCAA tournament team yesterday, and they're like 68% chance today. That's how significant that victory with Quadrant is. Obviously, they have to continue to have success and do those things. Yeah. I think they've got a great shot of being a tournament team. I don't think the ACC is going to get a whole lot more than three or four, so obviously they need to be in that upper tier. Yeah. But I think they got a great shot of being in that tier. Um, the key for them is don't drop the ones you got to kind of win. The home games against lesser opponents, or maybe a road game or two, you can still against a lesser opponent. You got to win those and go and win another one that you can put on a resume, whether that's at UNC or at Duke. But you know, I think Duke's going to be chomping at the bit, and Duke at Duke is never easy, despite Miami going in there and winning. So I think that's that. So what was your next question? Uh, no, give us your prediction. Does do they make the tournament? Just yeah, I, th- I think they're a tournament team. Okay, that's I, good. I, I think they're going to Leonard Hamilton teams continually progress. It's it's a consistent theme with his teams, especially when they have a lot of fresh new faces, young pieces. They do a good job of maximizing guys, building them up, 
giving him a chance. I think getting Malik Osborne healthy is important. It was awesome to watch him gut it out last mm-hmm. night, but he was clearly hurt. And there was a point late in the first half where you could barely stand in a huddle because I think the left foot was just driving him nuts. Tenor Ngun comes back, gives you a minute last night. He's clearly not ready for full time yet, but maybe you get five, 10 minutes out of him in a couple weeks. That helps alleviate some of the pressure on McLeod and allows you to have a few more trees in the forest to be a rim protector type of deal. There's pieces like that. There's some of all their parts, not to go full Leonard Hamilton on this, but we're some of all our parts and the cake is still in the oven. And that is who and what FSU is. But if they keep evolving, yeah, I think they got a heck of a shot. Yeah, it wouldn't be an FSU season for hoops if there wasn't the threads on the message board last week of is is this it for him? Is, is him finally? I, I won't lie. Syracuse at home was an awful game. FSU played horrendously. They looked like they didn't know how to play a zone. Like they're not great against a zone, but they looked like they didn't know how to play a zone. There's a difference between being ineffective and looking like you have no clue. They looked like they had no clue last night. They were more ineffective. And then the South Carolina game was a, a bad, tough loss. There right. was horrible scoring drought, played really poorly, dropped a game you probably needed. That one still hurts. Yeah. So, like, I get some of the panic button moments. I, I was admittedly concerned that when you're relying on so many young new pieces, is it going to happen? You know, you, you can wish in one hand and live in reality in the other. And sometimes as a fan, you get stuck in the in-between. But mm-hmm. I do think there has been, since they came back from the 18-day COVID pause, the new year, uh, winning at NC State, for example, what they did last evening, beating Miami, you know, taking it to a Louisville team who – has a lack of an identity, all very positive signs of growth. Now the key is for them to continue it, sustain it, improve on both sides of the ball. The defensive effort of last evening, and it's kind of nuts to say because Duke shot a pretty good clip, but FSU bothered bothered them, made them have to work had to work very hard. The reason FSU surged ahead at the start of the second half is Duke could not make a shot because FSU was limiting good opportunities, limiting easy rim opportunities for Duke. I, those kind of things, those are really positive signs to me. So I, I I do believe that's going to continue. But like I said, I think there's still going to be some ups and downs with this group. Of course. And we will be here to cover it all. Thank you for joining us for this hoops edition of On the Bench. Uh, we'll be back probably on Monday to talk more football. Um, just to wrap a few things up, it seems like the transfer portal is drying up for Florida State right now it seems like that's not a good way to phrase it but it seems like right now the focus is going off of the transfer portal for football and is being more directed towards um towards getting ready for spring ball that doesn't mean that they're going to stop recording the recruiting the portal I just think that as of now the the transfers that are in are probably the transfers that are in for the spring yeah. And anybody uh, else moving forward will probably be a summer enrollee. And we know that they're is, not done with the portal, but they probably are for spring enrollees. Yeah. This week is the last week of any real leeway to get a guy in. Um, so, you know, those things evolve quickly sometimes, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't think we see any more movement right now. I think the other thing is they've also got to, they need spring to happen to take inventory of the roster. again. Mm-hmm. Who, who realizes it's not going to happen for them here and hits the portal they need to open up spots. If they want to max out to 32, I think the count is right now at currently where they would have to have 10 guys depart the program. Yeah, and I don't think right now they feel like getting 10 guys to depart is the hard part. I think it's yeah. more so finding three or four incoming transfers that they feel they want to take. I think that's the harder part. So yeah, numbers aren't an issue. 
go figure, you know? Um, all right. What else we got? Anything else going on today in the world? We got coaches out on the road. We'll recap yeah. that on Monday. It's all 2023 area recruiting going on right now. Uh, 2022 seems like it's over. For the most part, yeah. I mean, they're kicking tires on a couple kids. Uh, Jordan Johnson, the running backs one. Jack Pyburn, a defensive end, but nothing. And of course, Antavius like Woody, who's committed. <laughs> yes, yes. Who Atkins, from what we know, went to see yesterday, and they were going to have a conversation. So, yeah, it, it's a uh, recruiting is interesting. It's, I don't want to say it's slowing down because it. I don't feel like it, it never ever slows down with the portal yeah. these days, but. I think we're more in the roster evaluation phase and future recruiting than anything that's going to immediately impact them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and even if they do snag somebody from the high school level, anybody out there that's available for Florida State to take right now is probably at least a year or two from seeing the field. So nobody that we're talking about in 2022 moving forward would be an instant impact guy outside of guys in the transfer portal. But we think that that's on on pause for right now. Yep. So men's hoops back at it tomorrow noon, UNF. That's a replacement game of a December game that got postponed. The women play uh, Miami at home tomorrow, which is a pretty big game too. And then the men go to Miami on Saturday. So that's what's coming up for men's hoops. Uh, Baseball still obviously about a month away. Yeah. So here we are. All right. Thanks guys for listening to another episode of On the Bench. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.